I want to welcome you guys to the kickoff of our series called Reclaimed. And it's called Reclaimed because we're restoring the promises of covenant, marriage, and family. And we're taking back everything that the enemy has robbed and stolen from God's people. Not only what he's stolen from our past, but what he wants to steal from your future. Marriage is under attack every single day and night. Every day and night we're under attack, especially in our marriages. Because the devil hates covenant. He hates it with a passion, a burning passion. From the very beginning in the garden, as soon as God created man and breathed spirit into man and created unity between man and God, the devil sought to destroy that covenant. As soon as woman was created and man and woman came together as one, the devil hated that covenant and that unity and worked on overtime to destroy it. He hates it because he understands the promise, the power, and the purpose of marriage. And he hates what family represents on earth. He hates it. And he hates what it represents to the father. The devil was at work in the garden immediately when creation began. He immediately was out to destroy unity and covenant and promise and purpose immediately. And today, he employs those same tactics to destroy covenant, marriage, and unity between us and the Lord, between our, us and our spouses, and between one another. He's working on overtime to divide us because he knows if a house divided against itself happens, we can't stand. He knows that. So he works extra hard to divide us. He works extra hard to put shame on our lives because of the failures and the mistakes of our past. Some of us in the sanctuary have burned relationships and marriage down to the ground, currently or in our past. We've made a lot of mistakes. I want to help our young adults and my children avoid the mistakes that even I have made. Because for those of you that don't know, I have been married before. And I failed. And I made great mistakes in my own past marriage. It didn't go wrong. It started wrong from the very beginning. And when you build something on a cracked foundation, even if you can barely see the crack or it's really, really small, all you need are some storms, some floods, or some droughts, especially in Corpus Christi. And you know over the course of time, that foundation is going to shift and that house is going to fall. And so what God does is he restores the foundations and then he helps our young adults and families and children coming up behind us to build on a right foundation. And that's my heart. That's my heart. And so he doesn't want us to have intimacy first with the Lord. Because if intimacy can be broken between you and God, if you can fall into shame, which is the first thing that the enemy puts on us, We'll isolate ourselves and we'll keep ourselves from the Lord and we'll hide just as Adam and Eve did. And then we'll hide from each other because of shame, insecurity, and intimacy will be broken. And if intimacy can be broken between you and the Lord, if intimacy can be broken between you and your spouse, then intimacy can be broken between his bride and his body. And then his bride and body never fully becomes what it's intended to become. So one of the things you're going to hear a lot in these messages is we're going to talk about that because there's so much to talk about. And I promise you, 
it's going to be life-changing and impacting for all of us. And the reason why I feel like now is the time to start talking about marriage and family is because I understand the battle for my marriage. It's hard. Amber and I have only been married for six and a half years. We dated on and off for five years, and we didn't do it right. We made a lot of mistakes. We had to cry and repent and ask God to forgive us for our own failures. And I wish that we could have done it right. But we learned from it. And with grace and mercy and forgiveness and the kindness of the Lord, now we can coach the teens and the young adults and our children not to make the same mistakes that we made, but we're not walking in shame. And if I can get you to come into the light and break shame and insecurity and doubt and disbelief and to really lay your lives down, which is a lot of work, and that's why we're going to share our own stories. And it'll be real and raw, and I can only hope and pray that I don't, I'm not in trouble when I leave here because chances are likely I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth. But you know what? This isn't a canned presentation. I'm not out to give you the 10 principles to a better marriage so you can go home and beat each other up with principles. We're going to beat the drum of the Holy Spirit in this series because if you're not led by the Holy Spirit and having lordship in your life, if you don't understand a lot of forgiveness and grace and mercy and laying your lives down at the cross and denying yourself and not being selfish, but really coming 100% towards your spouse and understanding God's intent, my focus and priority more than anything else right after the Lord is my spouse, is my wife. Marriage is the greatest, most committed, earthly promise, even greater than us with our children. Because if we're not one and we're not right, then we can't give to our children what's right. No other greater promise in the Bible is as powerful as marriage. I'll show it to you. So the enemy really, really is on the move to kill you. And he wants divorce. And he wants broken relationships. And he wants the church divided. But at the same time, God is on the move. Oh, he's on the move. Let me tell you, when one of my closest friends that's pastoring another church in Dallas, and we don't talk, it started a marriage and family series just last week, and we're going, wait a minute. When I preach messages, and then I tune into Bill Johnson and Bethel podcast, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm, God's showing me the same thing, and we're teaching on the same thing. I realize God is moving all over the earth with his bride. He's revealing himself to his body. He's the head, and we're the body. So as the head thinks, the body moves. And in these last days, it's family, marriage, sonship. You know, I almost started this series with Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, and turning the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the spirit of Elijah so that our earth of our heart and the people aren't being struck with a curse. But that's for another day. We're going to talk about a lot of important things. And we're doing this also because... There's a gap at Rock City Church. So many broken marriages. People struggling and needing help and counseling. and Spiritual counseling is hard to find in this city, anywhere. You can get a lot of principles and psychoanalysis counseling, but it's hard to find that with the Holy Spirit and spiritual leadership. It's hard to find that. 
And so people are running to me and to this church for help, and I'm just one guy. But I understand that this gap is making it so hard for us to feed life into marriages, and there's a need. There's a very big need at this church. We have marriages right now on the verge of divorce, even in this sanctuary. I already know that. I see a lot of things that you don't see. I know a lot of things you may not know as the pastor. People are abusing each other. There's extramarital affairs. Infidelity is the number one leading cause of marriage, but the Bible gives another, or divorce, but the Bible gives another reason which we're going to talk about today. People are divided. They're angry. They're full of shame. They're hurting. They've made mistakes, and the devil's pounding you on your failures and mistakes. And so there's a great need, and I have to help people understand that the church is a container, not a sustainer. The original heartbeat and design of God is family and relationships and unity and breaking bread house to house. And if you're not building relationships and getting in the trenches with one another, this is never going to work. Because if I give in to the pattern of the church being the sustainer, if I keep creating more and more programs and keep running to your need every single time, and you don't get into relationship with other people and have lordship in your life, this isn't going to work. I'm just a container building something where we can come and get trained and equipped and get life so when we walk out of here, we can give it to our spouses and to one another. It's a design within a design within a design. If we never get into relationship and build communities outside of here, it's going to be very hard for our marriages to survive. That's why it's very, very hard for couples to make it through my premarital counseling. I make it tough for a reason. Who are you in relationship with? Who's praying for you? Who's your spiritual parents? Who are you in community with? Because you're going to get married and then the million dollar question is, and then what? Because life is hard. And in six and a half years, Amber and I have faced one of the most difficult things anybody could ever go through, the loss of a child. We've weathered hurricanes. We're two very strong-willed chiefs, trust me. Sparks have flown. I get offended a lot. I'm not afraid to tell on myself. But the more that I get offended and the more that things are revealed, the more that the Holy Spirit works on my heart to make me love her more and to make it about her. Because Jesus laid his life down for his bride. And I'll actually be a better minister for you when I minister to my wife first. Yeah! Oh, man. Listen, this is a Holy Spirit-led series. I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. Amber's biggest concern for this whole thing is she's so concerned about what I'm going to... She's like, please don't tell them everything. Can I have some privacy in my life? So we're, we're opening the discussion. All my spiritual fathers, when I tell them this is my biggest struggle as a church is marriage and family ministry, you know what they all said? Have you taught on it? And for six years, six and a half years, pastoring, for having this church. By the way, we just celebrated four years on March 2nd in this location. We've been here for four years. It's awesome. And I've never talked about marriage and family because 
of the struggle. And Namor's going to talk a little bit about that struggle. What it sounds like, what it looks like. But it's time. Because if it's going to change, it's going to change culturally. Because if this becomes a culture of healthy marriages and families, guess what? When sons and daughters and orphans and people that are abandoned come in, they find a family. And it becomes the language, and then the gap gets filled because it becomes who we are. There's also a time where you need to hear from us. You know, and the struggle is, is think of how many of you, and with 500 people and growing, have a preconceived idea of what marriage should look like. And we don't have it all figured out. And we're in discovery. Chances are likely I'm going to offend somebody. Chances are likely I'm going to say something, and I can't answer every question for you. And sometimes I may leave you with more questions. But if you'll go home and you'll drill the hole deeper and hammer, finish the nail when I start it, if you'll begin to water the seed that I plant, God will give you the revelation. And along the way, we'll look to you and we'll discover too. We can learn from Jeff and Lacey. We can learn from Doug and Dawn. We can learn from Troy and Tiffany. There are many of you, somebody came up and said, we've been married 44 years. Some of you have been married 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But at some point, you got to hear from us. And at some point, the Lord says, even in the messiness, it's beautiful, and I'm going to use you. The next thing is, there needs to be transparency of our own growth and struggles for you so you know that you're not alone. Because this comparison thing is killing you. And oftentimes you think you're the only ones going through your stuff and you're not. And so what you need is real. You need authentic. So that we can grow together as a family. I'm going to cover all kinds of topics in this series. We're going to talk about covenant a lot. We're going to talk about the purpose of marriage. You know, a lot of times I get young couples that come in in their early 20s. They're ready to get married. They've been dating for two weeks. They're in love. And I'm like, well, first of all, let's start the purpose of marriage. What do you think the purpose of marriage is? And they're like, uh, they have no idea. I'm like, well, what do you want? Why do you want to get married? Well, uh, I'm just, man, they're just so hot. Listen, I've heard that. I just want you to know that. I'm just, my, she is so hot, I can't live without her. There's all... I do a lot of premarital counseling. Let me just tell you, it's a lot of fun. In fact, I'm going to do some of it publicly for you so you know what my expectations are for this church. I think you need to know that, especially for those of you that are single. We're going to talk about the single life, and we're going to talk about building friendships and community and accountability and your life stage. You know, statistics show when you get married, if you got married over 25, your marriage stands a much greater chance of surviving than if you got married before you're 25. <laughs> I'm sure that I already made somebody mad, all right? Now, that's not, that doesn't mean that's the case for everybody. We have 21-year-olds wanting to get married. We have 20-year-olds that have gotten married, and they've got an incredible start here in this church, and they're They've got family, and they're doing it right, and they started it right. But we want to help you in your life stage and your life seasons, and we want to coach you and mother you and father you because that's what the kingdom is about. I want to be a father, guys. 
Fathers instruct and they warn and they live lives that can be imitated. That's what Paul said to Timothy and the Corinthian church. It's what real fathers do. It's not about nickels and noses and just growing a big church for a kingdom unto ourselves. It's about building together. It's about becoming a Nehemiah generation where we all get to the wall and we're all building a city together. That's the kingdom of God. It's about eyes wide open and it's about being romantic too. And we'll talk about that because can't just be about marriage, uh, a business contract. Some of our young adults are like, so business contract. I mean, like, come on, have fun. You're young. Enjoy life, but keep it healthy. Of course, I want couples to meet and get married in Rock City. But trust me, if you're on the hunt, if you're here on the hunt, there's a lot of other churches where you can find people that are on the hunt. But what we're doing here is building a community where people are in love with Jesus first. Because, check this out, in the garden, when God created Adam, he said, it's not good for him to be alone. And so he brought the, he's the one that created the woman and brought the woman to the man, which means the man better be in position and better be on fire. And the woman better be spirit-led so that they can find the right man. I want to see sons and daughters get married. I want to see the promises of God fulfilled. I want that. And getting you on fire and understanding the purposes and the plans is important to me. And sure, I want you to meet somebody. And I want you to meet somebody that's on fire and spirit-filled and tongue-talking, demon-busting, and worships their faces off. I want that for a reason. Because what you see is often what you get. And I want your home life to be full of the beauty and the power of God, you want to marry somebody that's a radical worshiper. Trust me. You want somebody that's full of the Holy Spirit because marriage is hard. So the Holy Spirit, lordship, vision, being equally yoked, everything from pre-engagement and premarital to marriage to your wedding day to the first year of marriage to parenting and children. We're going to talk about all of those things and more. And so you're going to hear from my wife a lot. She's going to be co-teaching this. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to see our differences. They, it will not take you long to see just how different we are. But God designed it that way. And sparks have flown, and there's been a lot of laying your life down. But ultimately, what has resulted is something beautiful. So you'll hear our stories, see our mistakes. My prayer is that you'll discover forgiveness and see the beauty of marriage and that you'll know why we desperately need the Holy Spirit and lots of grace and mercy every day, every single day. So this series is about everything related to marriage and family and it's going to be real raw, unfiltered, transparent, life-changing. No matter what your life stage, there's something for everyone in this. Whether you are a widow, whether you're in your late stage of life and your 80s and 90s, wherever you are, if you're not going to remarry or you're just starting out as a teenager, I promise you every single message will be relatable for you and pertain to you. And so with that, let's give it up for my amazing, awesome wife. Good afternoon. I was wondering when he was going to stop and... I was wondering how much of my verbiage he was going to steal. I'm getting there. Okay. 
This morning, he's like, he showed me his, well, he emails me his message, and in the middle, it said, Amber shares briefly, bold. I was like, what? <laughs> so here I am, sharing briefly. And I wrote down a few notes, bullet points, and a lot of it he said, because he does that, but um, I'll give it my twist. So as cheesy as you might feel that video is, Taylor, I actually find it very <laughs> important, this whole series. Um, and it's hard not to, I mean, it's hard to film a marriage and family video without it looking a little cheesy. I mean, we had to cram it in an hour of filming. Anyway, side note. Um, it's an important series because how many of you know whenever things are off with your spouse, everything in your world is off? Um, so that's kind of my heart behind it. Whenever we're not right, I don't really have the heart and the motivation and desire to do much of anything. I just feel like I'm coexist, like just existing in the world. Um, and I don't know if that's just me, but I, I think that's marriage and being one. And when we're not one, everything's off. Um, and so I, I want us to get to a place where all of the marriages in our church are solid and one so that we can all be make an impact in this world. We can't do anything. You know, our main ministry is marriage, and ministry is just transferring life. If we're not transferring life in marriage, I mean, what, are, what, can't, what else can we do? We can't transfer life any further. Um, and in order to live, truly live, we have to die first. So it's a death process, marriage is. Everyone thinks it's so great when you first get married, but man, the first year is a death process. Uh, just laying down what you, <laughs> it's, it's really good too. It's good, but it's, it's a constant death process and more so, more so for some than others. I mean, <laughs> but nonetheless, we progress. Okay. <clears throat> So we hesitated to do this series because, you know, it's hard to ever feel like you should or you can give justice to marriage unless you yourselves have it completely figured out. But how many of you know that that's never going to happen? We don't ever arrive. <laughs> we never arrive. And so when would be the right time? I mean, yeah, we've, we've got to do our best to give you what we have learned so far. And what we do, like he said, we don't have it figured out. But what we do have figured out is the main thing. And that is if we're always in tune with the Holy Spirit and if our personal relationship, if my relationship with the Lord is right, then this is going to be right. And if it's not, for a while, you stay your course, and it will be. It will work out. Um, and so we hesitated to do this because we felt like we needed to arrive first, which was silly. Um, but I could hear couples, older couples. And when I say older, I mean more like my husband's age, not mine. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> If you didn't know, there's quite a gap here. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But when I say like, old, no, I mean you're not old, but older. When I, it's weird for me to say older because you really are older. So it's not a couple. We're se it's separate in the age gap. Anyway, I'm 30. I'm about to be 34. He's. I want to call him 45 and stay there, but he keeps getting, like, another one. So I think he's, like, 47 now. Anyway. 
I want yeah, I'm just going to keep saying, yeah, my husband's 45. Um, anyway, that's not an issue for it. It's just something I'm always making fun of him for because he's like, you know that show? Nope. Don't remember that show. <laughs> Can you show me? Can we Google it? <laughs> anyway, old... <laughs> Anyway, whenever we were thinking about doing this series, I could hear, and it could just be the enemy, but I could hear the older couples, maybe not in our church, but maybe that just view us on YouTube or something, just thinking to themselves, oh, they think they know, you know, wait until their kids are teenagers. They think they know how to parent now, or they think they know about marriage. Wait until they're married 40 years, then they'll have something to say. And so I want to say to you, I'm fully and like just giving you my full truth saying, I don't know it all. We don't know it all. We are in a process, and I don't think we ever need to get to a point where we're a know-it-all. Um, even when you're married 40 years, you still have something to learn, and you can learn from someone like us. Um, and I can learn, learn from younger people. Uh, let's see. So what I don't want for this series is for us to share what works for us, what the Holy Spirit has showed us for our marriage and for parenting, and for you to take it home as ammo against your spouse. And so if it, if it works for me and him, um, and it might not work for you. Of course, it's going to be biblical, but, but sometimes our lives are different. Our lifestyles are different. He doesn't work a eight to five, you know, it, you know what I mean? We're just different. So just take what you hear, take it home and pray about it together and then see what the Holy Spirit's telling you as a couple, uh, especially with parenting and everything, because it, it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. Also, um, single people, don't check out for this, because seriously, if I were single, I would love to have heard stories, um, personal stories in real life. I mean, you're not going to get as real and raw as this ever. <laughs> like, ever. <laughs> I don't know anybody else in the church world that's going to give it to you like this. Um, I don't know how to be filtered. I don't ever really care to be. I really am just vulnerable and raw, and so is he. So you get the realness, and so we're vulnerable. That's the only way you can really help someone and change. And then the other thing, and this is for anybody that's struggling today, at the first service, I came in a little frazzled because I have the kids. Like, he comes in, like, fresh, hearing from the Lord. Oh, I just sat by the water, and I heard from the Lord. And I'm like, get your shoes on. Wait, you need a poop? We just got here. Like, ah. And so I'm like, ah. And I sit down in the front row, and I'm like, I don't even know. Amber shares briefly. Amber shares briefly. What am I going to share briefly? And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the Lord was like, there's, there's marriages in here that are, that are on the rocks, and there were, like, roommates in their own home. And it just dropped it like a bomb. And as fun as it can be, and... As fun as I want this to be, marriage can be, marriage is fun, it's supposed to be fun, but it only gets fun when we're right, when we're right with the Lord. And so what I want most of all, what my heart is for this series, it's not a canned principle, typical thing to check off our pastor's list of things to preach at a church, because marriage is supposed to be what we talk about. I want it to be something that restores marriages. It's called reclaimed for a reason, because at any point in your life, um, 
single, if you keep making mistakes, I made plenty of them when I was single. If you're, if you're making the wrong choices when you're single, at any point in your life, you can stop and reclaim your life. You can stop and make the changes. It's all about choices. And so what I want more is for every single marriage in this church to be restored and to know today what the Lord was telling me is they need hope. Because a lot of times when you're married, you just feel like there's no hope. Because until they change, you don't even want to be with them. You know? And so the only hope is the Lord. And I do believe that he wants to restore the marriages. And this has been a huge thing on his heart. Because when we get marriage right, everything else can be right. Now, you better not be saying you want to hear from her more than me. I'm just telling you right now. My heart is to see the body of Christ strengthened. My heart is to build strong families and prevent divorce. I want to see the D word removed out of our vernacular. I want to pass down legacy to your children and our children. And as a spiritual father, I really want to see you restored to intimacy. First with the Lord and then with your spouse. I want to see shame broken. Shame that isolates. Shame that makes you think that no one could ever love you or this church couldn't love you because of what you did. Trust me, you, I have probably heard about everything. And I'm going to love you the same. You're in a safe place. At the end of Genesis chapter 2, after the Lord created the woman and man declared bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and then the Lord said, you'll leave and cleave and become one, and it says, and the two were naked and unashamed. And at some point, we come to the place where we open our hearts and we stop allowing shame to rule our lives, and we stop being afraid, and we stop taking control. And we stop preserving ourselves. Anger, shame, fear, control, all those things produce hard hearts and in turn lead to infidelity, broken relationships, hurt, pain, and waves of destruction that have affected probably every single person in this room in some way. And so we're a work in progress. We need the Holy Spirit to not only heal our hearts, but to reveal God's purposes and plans for marriage. We need his heart. We need to continuously come to the cross every day, every day, so that we can live the beautiful life together called marriage. Quickly this morning, I'm going to start off with a unique topic, and this is a topic that I believe will put into perspective the big picture. I've titled this morning's message actually in the beginning, and so let's take a look at Matthew chapter 19. I'm just going to show you a few things before we pray for you this morning. Matthew chapter 19, starting at verse 3, the Pharisees came to him to do what? To test him. The enemy constantly tries to test and accuse us. And it's so important that we have understanding like Jesus did. And so the enemy came to test him. Now Jesus had returned on his kind of final adventure or journey before the cross to Judea. And in Judea, you had a ruler or leader, a governor 
called Herod the Tetrarch. And Herod had had an illicit relationship with Herodias. And John the Baptist called him out on it. And, and he, was, he was living in divorce and adultery. And John the Baptist calls him out. Guess what happened to John the Baptist? He had his head cut off. And so the Pharisees are making a last-ditch effort. Number one, let's cast Jesus breaking or defying the Mosaic law because in Deuteronomy 24, divorce was permitted. And in those days, there were two separate houses of teaching. In one house of teaching, divorce was permitted for any and all reasons. In the other, it was permitted only for adultery. And so they were trying to catch Jesus so that they could either, one, accuse him, or number two, get the, the governing ruler to ax his head just like they did Jesus' closest friend and cousin. And so they ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Verse 4. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read? That he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no man separate. But the Pharisees continued and persisted. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And Jesus said to them, Moses, because, everybody say because, of the hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wives. But here's the key. From the beginning, it was not so. So there's a few key points I want to point out for you in regards to this little bank of scriptures. It's a pattern. The first thing is in verse four, have you not read? And the challenge is, is so many people don't read their Bibles or they read their Bible, but don't understand what it's saying. I've had people come to me and say, I've read my Bible front to back five times over. I even had somebody recently tell me that they have written out, literally typed the entire Old and New Testament. And you can go to church all your life, you can hear, you can read, but not know. And that's why the first thing that matters is that you gain understanding. You've got to take time to study and learn and spend time with the Lord for yourself. Now, like I said earlier, all I ever do is plant a seed. But you have to go home and water that seed. I may start the nail with the first few taps, but you're the one that goes home and finishes it off. I may drill the starter hole, but you're the one that finishes it. You have to learn and discover for yourself. And that's why Jesus says, have you not read? Then Jesus takes us to Genesis 1.27. And he said this, he who made them, he who made them, literally means the one who created. He who made them. The one who created. So when Jesus was asked in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, 
What is the greatest commandment? Most of us have ever asked that, and if we've read the Bible, say, well, love the Lord your God with your heart, all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, but this is actually what it says first. The greatest commandment, the first commandment of all is what? Hear. Because when you're not hearing, when you don't have an understanding of the love of the Father and the unity and the care that he has within himself and then for us, your heart gets hardened. And a hardened heart is the core root that leads to divorce. And so he says, the greatest commandment is to hear, to hear what? The greatest thing for us to know is that love began in the heart of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We just have to enter into the conversation. Because the Father is talking to Jesus, who's talking to the Holy Spirit. Jesus only did what he heard and saw the Father do, and the Holy Spirit is given to us to remind us of all the things that Jesus said. And it also convicts us, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and then leads us to righteousness. So if we don't have an understanding that in the heartbeat of God is unity and a conversation that he wants to bring us into, when he said it wasn't good for man to be alone, what he was really saying is it's not good for man not to experience what we're experiencing. This is the beginning. God loves us so much that he created us to celebrate and share not only in what he has, but with one another. This is an incredible revelation. This is a powerful revelation. And so go back to Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So a man by himself is only 50% or half of the image of God. A woman by herself is only half of the image of God. In the heartbeat of God, in the nature and character of who God is, it encompasses male and female. He has full understanding, and in order for us to accurately reflect his image, marriage would be instituted as a covenant on earth that's a picture of his covenantial love for us that never fails. Man, it takes on a whole nother understanding when you see it from that light. So now I really, really realize what matters more than anything outside of my first intimate relationship with the Lord is my relationship with my wife. And the Bible says that the Lord will actually not hear the prayers of a husband unless they're loving their wife properly. <laughs> I'm about to fall out right up here. I'm just telling you. I have been waiting so long to give you this message. I just can't even tell you. So literally, the one who created God is one. He desires unity first with him, then unity with one another, then unity with his bride. And I don't know when, but I'm going to get to Ephesians chapter 5 which explains this to you in a greater context and says this is a great mystery. 
But 1 Corinthians 4.1 says, as ministers with Jesus Christ and stewards of the mystery, we need to be faithful with the mysteries of God. So God reveals his mysteries to us, and you can know them. You can know the mysteries of God, but you find out the secrets and the mysteries in God's heart only from one place, the secret place. And if you don't invest in the secret place personally and have a daily devotional intimate walk with the Lord, this whole thing's never going to work. I can't go through the motions. If I don't have that, you know what I think? I think, oh man, maybe I made a mistake and there's probably somebody better out there for me. The grass is greener on the other side and I start falling into the lies and the deception of the enemy that this was never ordained by God. And so you know what? It ne was never meant to last. And I should never be treated the way that I'm being treated. And we'll even talk about there's biblical understanding of how wives are to be submitted to ungodly husbands that don't know the Lord. But it goes both ways. God really just doesn't give you any out. Or you can take an out because of the hardness of your hearts, and he may even allow it, but it's not his perfect will. You say, oh, but you don't know. I've said, oh, yes, I do know. Trust me, I do know. Because I've been through it. I married a very adulterous, bipolar wife that was very physically abusive and beat me to a pulp because I let her do it. We're going to talk about that. Things don't go wrong. They start wrong. You say, well, I did everything right. And then just in the fifth year, my spouse spun out and had an affair. I'm telling you things don't go wrong. They start wrong. Because something was inside the heart of that person that was missing, that was broken, that maybe you didn't see, that revealed its ugly head later. But let me make sure everybody understands something. We were all once an adulterous bride. You'd, no one gets an out here. No one gets a pass. Without the cross and mercy and forgiveness, we'll never be able to do it. And even in our adultery, Jesus hung on that cross and forgave us. And how many times after we came to the Lord, did you may not have lived an infidelity lifestyle or cheated, but trust me, we often turn our heart to other lovers in our heart, and we have these emotional fantasies that is creating adultery in our heart, even if we didn't act out on it. We all have to take ownership of our failures and mistakes and adulterous lifestyles and understand that the Lord forgave me, he forgave you, and we all needed it. God made them in his own image. Go back to, I love this. You know how much I love the, jet, the Garden Commission. Genesis 1.28 is like a life scripture for me. A life scripture. I quote it all the time. That we are to be fruitful, we're to multiply, we're to replenish, we're to reign and have dominion. But I want you to know what it started with. God blessed who? Not just the man. Not just the woman. Because to truly be fruitful and multiply and reproduce and engender sons and daughters in the generation, it takes a man and a woman. That's why the attack on marriage is so prevalent today. This is the core root of why same-sex marriage is not biblical. 
because it directly is an assault on the reproductive purpose of the kingdom and the power of unity and the engendering of generations because a man and a man and a woman and a woman can't reproduce a son. Now, I love anyone and everyone. I want to make sure even for the live feed that you understand. Same-sex couples can come to Rock City and find life, and I promise you, I will love you to no end, but I can't compromise what I believe the Bible says. It has nothing to do with me loving and caring for you, and I don't beat that horse a lot. I don't preach that message a lot because I want people to really understand, and if I can get you to fall in love, and if I can get you to get the Holy Spirit and hear his voice, God does the rest. I'm called to be a fisher of men not to clean up your life too. I don't have time to clean up your life, trust me. I got my own life to clean up. So then Jesus jumps to Genesis 2.24. And he says marriage, I'll paraphrase what he's really saying. Marriage is the strongest of all human relationships. Because to leave your mother and father, for this reason it was created so that you would abandon, leave, move forward and leave behind or forsake your parents and move into the relationship with your wife so that the generations can move forward and the promise can continue. For this reason, creation, man, woman, unity, one flesh, because this was quoted right after the one flesh statement. Or no, it's right here. Right after the woman was created and man says, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And then the Lord says, therefore a man will leave. Abandon and move forward. My children are going to have to, at some point, leave the house and grow up and move forward and hopefully get married and reproduce in the same like manner. This is the kingdom pattern. Which is why the relationship between a man and a woman in marriage is the greatest earthly, most powerful relationship of them all. It's the only place where it says to cleave. So now it becomes a permanent fixture. It's a permanent fixture. That's God's original intent. Did God permit divorce? Yes, he did. Did God give an out even in the New Testament? Sure he did. But it's not God's best. Many couples have had to say, now listen, you biblically have, you biblically have grounds to divorce, but let me just tell you it's not God's best. But you don't understand. I can never live with them. I said, I'm just telling you, it's not God's best. I don't know what else to say. The Bible has a better way. Will I love you if you go through it? Yes. Will you be family? Are you welcome? Absolutely. I'm just putting it in your hands to let you know that there was a better way. See, I have been divorced, but there was a better way. So a man will leave his mother and father and be joined his wife, and they will become one flesh. The word joined here, actually, in the King James Version is the word cleave. And the word cleave means to be stuck like glue on you. That's what it means literally. It means to be stuck together, become a permanent fixture, to truly become one. It's like sticky glue that can, it's permanent glue that can never be taken off. It's the two becoming one just as the Lord is one. The Lord is one. The Lord our God is one. Here, here O Rock City Church. Here, O Bride of Christ. The Lord our God is one. And then the greatest commandment after that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and to love one another as yourself. Because after marriage, the and then what is the body of Christ? 
Unity is the key. Unity is, is unity in the Holy Ghost and one perfect body is the end game because that is who Jesus is coming to marry. It's God's one bride and it's a mystery, but it's a powerful mystery. To truly become one requires covenant. God made a covenant with Noah. He made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made a covenant to David. He made a covenant with Ruth and even Naomi. He made a covenant with Rahab, the harlot. God makes covenant and means to keep it, and he does what you can't do. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to keep covenant with one another because without the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. What seals the covenant is consecration of that unity and physical intimacy, which we'll talk about in the future. Sex was designed originally, the original intent was to bring a couple together as one in marriage. And it was the seal of the marriage covenant. Of course the devil's going to pervert sex. Of course the devil's going to pervert love. He's going to make what should be unconditional agape love into eros, which is a Greek mythological god of erotic love. And we're all hoping Cupid comes along and shoots us with his arrow. And then he gets us to fall into the trap of pornography and lust. And then he gets us to put shame on each other and our spouses so they never feel inadequate. And then they're beat down and it's just disastrous. Pornography is a thief. Yeah. It's a deceptive lie, but when you see it, you can, we can break the pattern. When you find your pleasure and delight in the Lord, we can break the pattern. Religion and beating you over the head with the Bible is never going to get somebody out of pornography. Until we find our delight and pleasure and are restored and have the active working of the Holy Spirit in our life, we'll always succumb to false love and false lust. And I'm going to leave you with this this morning. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. I started off with this. Is it lawful to divorce? Is it lawful? And I'm going to jump a few verses back over to verse 8. Let's read it again. Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce. But from the beginning, it was not so. In the Old Testament, divorce was an accommodation to human weakness and ultimately brought about help in a society that had disregarded God's will. Let me tell you why. Because at some point it becomes so destructive, it passes down to the generations and destroys children. So it was permitted because of the consequences of a broken relationship that was so ungodly in a godless society. But it wasn't God's original intent. Yeah. And so for me, my wife, my first wife left and had repeated adulterous affairs calling me in the middle of the night while she was with her lovers for seven months to get me to divorce her. And God said, this isn't my best. No, I don't want you to do it. He says, trust me and put your, all your hope and love in me. 
I'm going to carry you through the hardest, most difficult valley. It was death like I can't even imagine, one of the, one of the most difficult times in my life. And after about seven months, my ex-wife called up and said, I realized that my life is a wreck and that I made a mistake and I want to come back. And I said, I forgive you. Come back. After about two or three months, she realized that living for the Lord wasn't what she wanted. And she battled major bipolar issues. And again, another round of physical abuse, another round of disaster. I, the police had to come. I mean, I'll tell you about some of this, but I had to file a restraining order on her. She was, it was bad. She left again. And after the adulterous affairs again, in another year of God making me wait it out, the Lord gave me the freedom and said, okay, now I want you to go and issue the divorce decree. And to this day, she has still run from the Lord living in adulter adulterous relationships. And I'm not proud of any of that. I want to make sure you understand. I don't ever want my children or the young adults to ever go through what I went through. It's death. It's horrifying. It's terrible. It's, 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 and it's happening a lot. But you know what? God in his kindness restored me. And if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. And that's why I have so much grace and mercy in this church. And if you have a problem with the fact that I've been married before, I don't know what to tell you. God restored my life, but it wasn't the original, it wasn't his original best, and I was totally deceived. I totally thought it was the Lord, and it wasn't. I thought I was hearing God, but it was the little G, not the big G. It was me and not him, because I wanted what I wanted. And so it wasn't God's best. But because of the hardness of my heart, and because I was determined, and false ideologies, and even a pastor that told me marriage was the right thing and I should just marry. I even fell into a lie, and I heard this recently from somebody, same thing. A lot of times I'm counseling couples and I see myself, and I have massive amounts of grace and mercy. The, the, the uh, husband said, I married my wife because we were having sex, and I felt like now that I had had sex with her, the only right thing to do was to marry her. Or I hear this a lot. We had a child, we have a child together, and when we, we had a child out of wedlock and my parents pressured me and said, now we have to get married. And now their marriage was a disaster or they wind up divorcing, set a terrible, setting a terrible example for their kids. There's no shame. There's healing and forgiveness and mercy and grace. And what we need to do is now be a voice of truth like fathers should, like Paul was to Timothy, that instructs, warns, guides, and becomes examples to help people not to make the same mistakes that I made. And now I can look at couples and say, I know you had a kid together, but you're fighting and abusive and you're living in an ungodly relationship. No, I don't think you should get married just because of the child. You'll do more destruction. Now what I want to tell you is if you got married because of that, if you got married young, if you fell prey and thought that just the right thing to do, maybe you got married and didn't even know the Lord. Maybe you're here or watching and you're, in a, you're living together and you're having sex, but you're coming here. My heartbeat for you is to help you and coach you to do the right thing. 
My heartbeat for you is to bring love and mercy and kindness and forgiveness and help to get you. I can't tell you how many marriages I have officiated in the last five years with couples that came to me that were already living together and started wrong. And then we went back to the foundation. We dealt with the heart. We restored the cracks. We brought healing. And now we brought them to the cross and to matrimony in God's eyes. And they've become one. And they're doing awesome. Yeah. So hardness of heart is the, what I believe the ultimate root. Not hearing God's voice. Hebrews 3 and 4 hammers home the point that today, everybody say today. today. If you'll hear God's voice and not harden your heart as in the day of the rebellion. Because the Bible says rebelliousness is as the sin of witchcraft. And so when we have hard hearts and we're not hearing God's voice and no Holy Spirit, guess what you're inviting into your home? And it's subtle. Oh, you, you don't need Ouija boards lying around the house. The devil is a master liar, and we're not unaware. The number one scheme that the enemy uses is lack of forgiveness, grace, and mercy, self-preservation, and anger. I love my wife, but I can't tell you how many times I've had to say I'm sorry and repent, and she has had to too. And my wife and I did not start right. And we had to repent before the eyes of the Lord and ask for forgiveness and mercy and ask God to, have, to restore any cracks in our foundation so we could move forward the healthy way. And God says, I forgive you and I love you. Let's rock this. Yeah. That's my God. That's our God. You need grace and mercy and forgiveness and you are in a safe place. And now we can pass it on and restore broken lives and people walking around in shame. And guess what happens when married couples are living in shame? They're not intimate. Their sex life is a disaster. It's a disaster. And then guess what they do? They pass shame right down to their kids. I cried the most I've ever cried in one night when Kevin Leal, Prophet Kevin Leal was here. You can listen to the messages. When he taught on shame in the last night, I was watching mothers repenting and fathers repenting to each other and their kids for putting shame on them. I bawled and bawled and bawled. My eyes were puffy for five days. All I could do was cry. Because God is in the business of reclaiming his purposes and promises and restoring everything that's been lost, robbed, and stolen in our life. Let's all stand.